Father, we are thankful that when we have a spiritual hunger in our soul that you fulfill that hunger. You meet our needs. And one of the ways you do that is through the worship that we've already expressed to you, through the baptisms we've already celebrated, but also through your written word, which we now open and invite you to speak to us from it. Would you clear from our minds anything that might distract us? Would you help us in these moments to stay with a singular focus upon what you have to speak to us today? And as you do that, we'll give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open up with me. We are going to be looking in the book of 2 Timothy this morning, the book of 2 Timothy, as we continue to think about and think through some things uh, about Scripture and about the Word of God as we are putting our emphasis on that for the first several weeks of this year. And today I want to speak to you on this subject, the richness of the Bible, the richness of the Bible. Um, I don't know if you uh, have ever come into possession of something that maybe you didn't think was worth a whole lot, but later on you found out it might have been worth a whole lot. They say supposedly that a lot of us have unclaimed property and unclaimed money from the government somewhere. I'm afraid to do one of those searches because knowing my luck, it'll say that I owe somebody something. So I, I kind of stay away from that. But there was, uh, there was a guy in Reno, Nevada, who uh, he, he grew up in this, in this childhood home and moved out, and his parents sold the home. So he went back to that home, his childhood home, went up into the attic to clean it out, and he found a J.C. Penny bag there. And in that J.C. Penny bag was an unopened Nintendo game, the OG, the original Nintendo game. And it had a receipt in there that he had purchased it for $38.95. So he just took it down to the game store, and uh, they thought it might be kind of rare. He ended up selling it for $9,000. Yeah, go check your game console this afternoon, right? There was a lady in France who some years ago was preparing to sell her house, and she brought in an auctioneer just to kind of help her learn how to distribute all this and, and put value on it and everything else. And, and as, they, as the uh, appraiser was looking at everything, the appraiser noticed a painting and, and asked the woman where she got that painting. And the woman said, I don't know, just probably a garage sale somewhere else. Estimated value $26.8 million. You ever had something valuable that you just didn't know its value? <laughs> I wonder if you and I, if we may have something valuable right at our fingertips and we just don't realize how valuable it is. I wonder if we really understand the benefit and the value and the richness of this word that God has given to us. I'm afraid that, that some of us really don't understand that and comprehend that. And that is one of the reasons that we're spending so much time at the front end of this year and that we'll spend time as we go throughout the year focusing on this idea of scripture and focusing on what it means for our lives today. That's why we're going through this series, the B-I-B-L-E. In fact, I think it would do us good just to be reminded that it is the 
Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Mm. Choir potential right out here, Kenneth, choir potential. All right, we're going to sing this song called the B-I-B-L-E, okay? We did it last week. Y'all did really, really good last week. Some of you, I don't know what happened. All right, here we go. The B-I-B-L-E. Good job. There you go. That just became my new favorite person in the entire church. It is the book for me. And when everything else is said and done, I can stand alone on it. I wonder if we have lost the richness in our minds and our hearts of this scripture. I want to challenge every single person in this congregation to make a commitment this year to do a couple of things. I want you to make a commitment to to have a daily interaction with Scripture. That might be a daily Bible reading plan, which we've got available on our website, or it may just be that that somehow you adapt one of those. But I also want you to get plugged into a a connection group on Sunday mornings or to get plugged into a, a Bible study group that meets on Wednesday nights because those groups are important because the Bible is so rich. Yes, we need to study it individually, but we also need to study it in the context of community. We need to study it together as well as solo by ourselves because the Word of God is so rich and it needs to be understood in that way. In fact, let's look at how rich this Word of God is. Look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to read verses 14 through 17 as we think about the richness of the Bible. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you And you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture, all scripture, even the book of Leviticus, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul was writing this letter to a young man named Timothy, a young man who had some godly influences around him. And and Paul reminded Timothy, look, you've been taught this scripture. You know this scripture. It is a rich scripture. It is inspired by God. It is profitable for certain things. It has an impact in your life. And Paul, in these couple of verses, explains to us the richness of this Bible. The richness of the Bible is why we need to have a daily interaction with it. Well, what do we mean by the richness of the Bible? And we're going to answer that question briefly by mentioning to you three things that help us understand the Bible's richness, its value. First is this. The Bible is valuable because of inspiration. Inspiration. Here's what I want you to look at what Paul said in verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God. Here's what that means. 
It, it means more than God inspired the people who wrote it, although it does mean that. When it says that all scripture is inspired by God, it means that the words that we read in this Bible, in this treasure that God has given to us, those very words are inspired by God. God breathed out. That's what inspired means, God breathed. God breathed out his words, what he wanted said, what he wanted recorded, and they faithfully recorded it for us in this canon of scripture. This is not opinion. This book is not opinion. It is truth. And because it is truth, you've got to deal with it. Now opinion, your opinion, I might respect it, but I don't have to live by it because it's your opinion. Same way with me, my opinion. But if something's not opinion, then we have to deal with it. And this is not opinion. Why is it not opinion? Because it's the very word of God. Why is it the very word of God? Because it is inspired. It is God breathed. God moved on the hearts of these men who wrote this scripture to record for us what he wanted us to know. You say, Pastor, how, how can we unpack this inspiration? We can't in this session, but I've got good news for you. Coming up in a April, next slide please. Coming up in April, we're going to have a, a Sunday seminar series. We're going to talk about uh, that afternoon, how we got the Bible. This is one of those things we're adding to the year to help us fully grasp Scripture. So come and on that day and we'll talk more fully about what it means to, to say that the Bible's inspired as we understand how we got the Bible we have today. Now this inspiration of the Bible is seen in several ways. But maybe most noticeably, it is seen in the prophecies of the Bible. Now understand that the Old Testament, when it was written, it was written before Jesus was born. We have ways that we can date that. We have ways to know that there is no way Isaiah wrote the book of Isaiah after Jesus was born. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt he wrote it before. It went about all the prophets. Now look at what Peter said about those prophets. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter said, We also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you know this. No prophecy of Scripture comes from that prophet's own interpretation. The prophet wasn't sitting around and thought, well, I think I'll say this. Because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That is your imagery of inspiration, is Bible writers being carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example. There are over 300, over 300 Old Testament prophecies related to Jesus Christ. Christ, the prophets wrote those inspired by God, and every single one of them came true. Number one, I'm playing. <laughs> we did 66 books last week. We're not doing 300 prophecies today, okay? But every, the chance, st st statisticians tell us, statisticians tell us, the chances 
of one person fulfilling eight of the 300 or one in 10 to the 17th power. All I know is that's a lot. Impossible unless God has inspired it. The words we have are written to us by God. They come from God and they have huge huge implications. Here's what it means. Here's what inspiration means. Inspiration means that I can trust this word. Hey, look, I'm not going to pretend or make excuses or anything else. There have been some, some, um, uh, there have been some people, uh, the word I want to use, not a very pastoral word. There have been some misguided people who have misinterpreted and misapplied and sometimes intentionally twisted the words of this book to make it fit their own narrative, to justify things that they didn't want to, uh, to, to not have to deal with. Uh, there, there have, in the past, there have been people who've used, who've twisted scripture to justify slavery and things of that nature. I recognize that. I recognize that there are evil people who twist scripture to say things that it doesn't say. But that does not negate the fact that God's word as he gives it to us is absolute truth. And that means that I can trust it. It means that because of inspiration, this Bible is, it's, it's the standard. It is the authority. It sets the standard. See, you, everyone has a standard. Everyone lives their life by a standard. It might be one that, that you create, but everyone lives their life by some kind of standard. We use something to measure our lives. So knowing this, the question becomes, who has the right Who has the authority to set the standard for my life? It's not culture. Culture can't figure out what it's doing. Culture never has been able to figure out what it's doing. It's not government. Enough said. (laughs) It's not me. And by the way, it's not my government. No, is it any government that has it figured out? There's only one person who has the authority, and that's the one who created it all to begin with. The only one who is perfect, God. So God gets to set the standard. And inspiration means that this Bible sets the standard for my life. So because the Bible is inspired, that that means that I can trust it. It means that it sets the standard, but it also means that I must submit to it. That since God is the authority, and since God is perfect, and since God has spoken this word, my task is to submit to it. Now, we got to be careful here, because some of us don't mind obeying the scripture as long as we obey it the way we think it is written. <laughs> well, this is what, I think this is what the Bible means to me. It doesn't matter what, the, what, doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. What matters is, what has God said? And if what I think, we'll see in a moment, and if what I think is not what God has said, God is the eternal one who doesn't have to change his mind. And so my task is to submit to Scripture. So, Pastor, how in the world can I know how to study the Bible in such a way that I learn that? That's a great question. Come to the second Sunday seminar in June. 
when we talk about how to study the Bible. Write it down. We'll remind you before we get there. When we walk through on an afternoon, here's how you know to understand what God has said, and here's how you go about doing what God has said to do. The Bible is valuable because it is inspired by God. It gives us the ability to trust it. We can build our lives on it. It is the book for me because it is inspired. Second is this. The Bible is valuable because of intention. Because of inspiration, but also because of intention. There's a reason God gave us his word. Scripture has a purpose. God intends to do something every time we interact with this word. And it's spelled out for us in verse 16. Here's the intention of the Bible. The Bible, first, it calls us to the truth. Paul said that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching. Teaching means that it calls us to the truth. It shows us the right thing to do. Only scripture will tell you the absolute truth about God, about man, about the world in which we live, and about how we should live in the world in which we live. In the Psalms, David, at least a dozen different times, said, Lord, teach me. That's a good example. I think every day when we wake up, we should say, Lord, teach me today. Teach me from your word today what you want me to know. This is the richness of the Bible. It teaches us. It calls us to the truth. But it also convicts us of our sin. It's profitable, not just for teaching, but it's also profitable for rebuking. So not only does the Word of God show us what is right in teaching us, it also shows us what is wrong by rebuking us. Anyone here ever think you had the world figured out until you got a little bit older? (laughs) Does your parents, both my parents are with the Lord, but the older I get, the smarter they get kind of weird how that works. You see, some of us think that we've got some things figured out, and some of us even think that some of the things we do or don't do are okay or not okay, and sometimes the Word of God has to speak, has to, has to come and has to speak and has to rebuke us. Now look, let me ask you this, and, and I, I want you to respond back to me on this one, okay? Honestly though, don't, don't lie. How many of you woke up this morning and said, Lord, I cannot wait for you to rebuke me today. (laughs) Can't wait. I'm going to take the laughter as a no. (laughs) No one likes the idea of rebuke. No one likes the idea of someone pointing out that what they're doing is wrong. Happens to us every week. (laughs) Now, no one likes someone rebuking them and and pointing out an error that they think they see, but sometimes we need rebuke. Remember David? When David was caught up in his sin with Bathsheba, David did not recognize anything wrong with it until the prophet of God, Nathan, came, and Nathan spoke the word of God to David, and David said, oh, what I've done, I should not have done. It was a rebuke. He becomes so, you know, we, we have that ability, or, or at least I do, 
of being able to justify my actions so much that what I know to be a sin, I can put makeup on it and I can put some paint on it good enough to where it doesn't look like it's that bad a sin. Okay, rest of your line. And sometimes God's word has to break through and speak and say, no, 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 this is wrong. The intention of scripture is to call us to the truth, to convict us of our sin. What happens if you never rebuke a child? If a child is going off on the wrong path and you never say anything, what's going to happen? That child is going to head for disaster. What do you think is going to happen to God's children if he doesn't rebuke us to bring us back? Let's open ourselves up to scripture to ask God to call us to the truth, but also to convict us of our sin. But the Bible also corrects us to the right position. Scripture is profitable for correcting. That's a, that's a very interesting word, correcting. That word correcting means to set something straight once again. It's the idea that something has fallen over. The, the, this, this plant would tip over and I would set it back up. I would correct it. I would place it back to where it was. Or it's the idea of when someone has fallen and they can't get up and someone helps them back up. So now every time you see that commercial, help, I've fallen and I can't get up, be reminded of this verse, okay? The Bible is contemporary after all. Something has fallen over and it needs to be restored. That's the idea of correcting. And that's what the Bible does. It calls us to truth. It convicts us of sin. And then it corrects us. It helps us get back to where we need to be. And only Scripture can show us how to repent in the power of the Lord and experience that correction. Because then what happens is that as Scripture calls us to the truth and as it convicts us of sin as it corrects us to the right position. Ultimately, the Bible conditions us to follow Jesus. All Scripture is profitable for training in righteousness. You see, the Bible doesn't just tell you how to get right. The Bible helps you stay right as it conditions you to follow Jesus. Now, there are a lot of you in this room who are either in the military or you have it in the military. And as such, you go through this thing called basic training. And then you go through some more specialized training. Now, there's a reason that military personnel go through that training. So that when they are in the heat of the battle, they don't have to Google what to do. <laughs> Can you imagine our military men and women in battle and something happening? And Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is there a YouTube video on how to defend this particular attack. No, it's the training. What happens in training conditions them so that when they get into battle, they run on instinct, they run on their training, and they don't have to think about it. They know how to do it immediately because they've been trained. That's the difference in teaching and training and being conditioned. Scripture is designed to condition us. Scripture is designed to get us to the point to where when we go through life, when things happen, we know where to go. You see, when we condition ourselves, 
when scripture conditions us, when we allow it to teach us, when we allow it to correct us, when we allow it to convict us, that is when it can change us. You start to store up memory and passages of scripture in your mind. You start to think about the things that God is teaching you through scripture. And then when hardship comes, and then when you find yourself in the valley, all of a sudden those scriptures come to mind. All of a sudden when you find yourself, maybe maybe you've tripped up and maybe you fall into sin. And all of a sudden you remember First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe when you walk through the valley, all of a sudden you've been conditioned and you think of Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley at the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. And all these scriptures start coming back. That's the result of being conditioned. That's like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. It didn't negate the storm. It didn't mean that the shutters of the house got beat up. It didn't mean they had some stuff to clean up. But it did mean that the owner of that house and that house stood firm. Because they were conditioned by Scripture. Look at the value of what the Word of God accomplishes in our lives. That is rich. The key is to seek the Word of God and the God of the Word in each of those intentions. So, Scripture is valuable because of inspiration and intention, but thirdly, Scripture is valuable because of impact. Because of impact. What it accomplishes in our lives. And Paul makes mention of a couple of those areas of impact. So, the Bible impacts my salvation. He says in verse 15 that from infancy you've known the sacred scriptures and those scriptures are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What I'm about to tell you is not very popular today because the popular mantra is that you can do it yourself, you can work hard enough, you can be good enough, you can do enough good stuff. But I tell you all the truth of God's word from what God has said in his inspired word. Without the Word, there is no shot for you to receive salvation. The Word has to be involved. It can't be my opinion of what you need to do to be saved. It can't be your efforts of what you need to be saved. The impact of Scripture is that it impacts our salvation. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 10. He said, how then can people call on him that they have not believed in? How can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher or someone, not me preacher, but all of us sharing the gospel? And how can they preach? How can we share unless we are sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, but not all obey the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes from the message of Christ. This is the only message of Christ. No offense or maybe offense to our friends down the road, but there is no other testament of Jesus Christ. This is it. This is it. And faith comes from this word. And this word, inspired word of God alone. The Bible impacts our salvation. The Bible also impacts sufficiency. He says in verse 17 that scripture is profitable so that the man of God may be complete. 
don't, don't interpret that word complete to mean perfect. It doesn't mean perfect. That word complete means that the Bible leads me to everything I need. Now, there's nothing wrong. Make sure we make this clear. There's nothing wrong with getting engaged in Bible studies that other people have written. We do that across this campus all the time. There's nothing wrong with picking up a book and and reading that book for someone else to help you understand or to give you a perspective of Scripture. Nothing wrong with that at all. Our libraries are full in our offices. Every sermon you hear, every lesson that is taught does not come from my brain. It comes from the brains of many others much smarter than I. Nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, the only thing you need is Scripture. That's why we sang a while ago the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. Other things can help me, but the Bible's the only thing that will give me what I need. It impacts efficiency. It also impacts my service. The ultimate goal, he says in verse 17, so we can be equipped for every good work. You see, God will never call you to do something that he does not equip you to do. Scripture, this Bible, makes us ready to do the things that the Lord has placed in front of us. Let me ask you this. Is it difficult? The answer, the answer is yes for all of these. Okay. Is it difficult to follow Jesus in this world? Yes. Yep. Difficult for you to find time to pray? For me? Yep. Is it difficult for me to find time in the Word? Yep. Is it difficult for me to, and I the pastor, to be able to carve out, to be, to, to, to be here, not just in body, but in spirit to worship? Yep. Is it difficult for me to share the gospel with someone? Yep. Is it difficult for me to <coughs> live in godliness? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. But, 2 Peter chapter 1. His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Guess where you get that knowledge from? Through the knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, He has given us very great and great promises, precious promises, so that through them you may share the divine nature, escaping the corruption in this world because of evil desire. Everything you need to be who God has called you to be is supplied to you through the reading and the application of the Word of God. So if you are not where you need to be as you follow Jesus, it is not God's fault. He's given us everything we need. To complete good works in and through us. What an impact God's word has. 
Have you allowed it to impact you? As we wrap things up this morning, in just a second I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we're, we're going to stand and sing. And, and you've, you, you've heard us talk this morning about the richness of this Word of God. And the reason God's Word is so rich is because, not just because it's the Word of God, but because of the God of that Word. Because God is rich. Because God is valuable. Because God is able to do far more exceedingly, abundantly, greatly more than all we ask or imagine. Do you know the God of this Word? Hey, I'm, I, I, I'm super thrilled if you can quote verses. I hope you can. I, I, I would stand in awe, and I do stand in awe of people who can, who can quote. And you may be able to quote an entire chapter, an entire book of the Bible. But do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Because Satan used some scripture as well. And we know his character. Do you know the God of this word? If not, I would love to introduce you to him. And I'd be glad to during this time of commitment if you just come say, Pastor, I want to know who Jesus is. We'll, we'll introduce him to you. What about you, follower of Jesus? Has the richness of God's word been lost on you? Maybe this morning God has stirred something within your heart to say, you know what, I want to be more passionate for this word than ever in my life. I want this to be a year in which I seek God more desperately through his word than ever before. Would you make whatever commitment God's placing upon your heart to make? I don't know. When you walked in this room, I have no idea what God was speaking to your heart or how God was dealing with you. My only request and ask is you'd say yes to whatever he's placing before you today. Father God, as we place ourselves before you, we surrender and submit to your authority. You are God. You are great. You've given us this word of God and you are the God of this word. And I pray that whatever you're calling us to do today, we would fully surrender to it. In the good name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Let's stand and sing.